Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Kathy Jean-Francois. She is an educator with the New York City Department of Education. She has a BA in Creative Writing and Literature from Hofstra University and a master's degree in education from St. John's University. When she's not working on lesson plans and grading assignments for her seventh grade and high school students, she's either writing a new post for her blog, Kathy's Cross, a depressive positive perspective, or sending out query letters for her completed novel, The Box, for which she used her own ex- personal experience with depression and anxiety to develop the inner conflict for her main ch- character. Welcome to the podcast, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me, Dana. I really appreciate it. So tell me about a time when you were in the trenches extra product. Oh, gosh. Um, so I was thinking about, and there were two instances, and they both had to do with me being in the classroom, right? So the very first time that I felt like I was experiencing a panic disorder, not I'm sorry, a panic attack, and uh, I didn't even know what that was because I had never experienced it before. I just became an ESL teacher to adult Russian students in Brooklyn. And I felt good about this job. I'm like, yay, I'm going into teaching. And, you know, but I didn't know what I was doing. The, the, the woman at the school gave me a textbook to work with, but I still didn't, I had never done this before. So I was very, very nervous about it. And the day that I started, I remember I was in my room before I left and I started getting a tightening in my chest and I and I was trying to catch my breath. And I was like, what's wrong with me? I felt like I needed to go to the hospital. I didn't understand what was going on with me. And I just lied down for a little bit and I and I breathed a little through it. And I'm the type of person that's like, I, I already have made these plans. Um, They're expecting me at the school. I'm not gonna just call in sick. So I was just like, I have to get through this, get, get, get over it. So I did. And it turned out fine. You know, I wasn't like the best ESL teacher or anything, but I did what I needed to do. And it wasn't until months later, probably even about a year later that I realized that I was going through a panic attack. And I remember the, the next time that I experienced not necessarily a panic attack, but just anxiety in the classroom was when I taught at a new school where I was taking over for in, in in the middle of the school year, I was taking over for a beloved teacher. And the students did not want to accept me as their new teacher. They thought that I was a brand new teacher that I'd never taught before. And by that time I had already been teaching for about 10, 12 years. And so I had kind of had to prove myself to them. But every day going into this classroom was anxiety provoking for me because I knew how much they disliked me. And I knew it wasn't personal. I, they were just missing their their teacher and it but just knowing that many of them weren't giving me that chance and I I felt being human I, I kind of felt that that resentment towards them because they resented me and so every day I had to like go through it all over again eventually this there were some students who accepted me and I guess eventually some other students got to see what they saw and by the end of the school year I'm going to say like 80% of them were fine with me, <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. I, mean, I just had to get through it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers have been there with, um, especially if they're replacing somebody or taking over from a beloved teacher and 
you know, uh, being second guessed by students, right. And feeling like we have to prove ourselves uh, yeah. that it can invoke anxiety. So uh, let's kind of start off with uh, when you were a youngster, um, when you started um, having social anxiety, uh, what are some coping mechanisms you used um, to um, get through those uh, episodes? I didn't have coping mechanisms at all. I didn't know what I was dealing with. I didn't know um, who to talk to about it. I didn't have any coping mechanisms. So what I did was I gave everyone an attitude anytime I didn't want to be around anyone. Um, I kept to myself. I I gave people the silent treatment. And for the most part, if I was left alone, then I was fine. Um, if I was forced to go to a party, which happened often because my sister and my mother, if, if my sister was invited to a party, then my mom was like, you have to go to, I would keep to myself. I was in the corner attitude. Don't anybody talk to me. I didn't have any coping mechanisms, unfortunately. And that stayed on through, you know, my adult life when I just, I just retreated to myself. Yeah. And then um, you've realized that kind of just taking a breather, uh, you know, something uh, maybe helps a little bit uh, now, right? Uh, I think you mentioned in the pre-chat, we've talked about maybe looking for things that make you smile on your phone, like uh, yeah. pictures of uh, cats, like a lot of people do, right? That kind of helps. <laughs> Babies, cats, and now dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of teachers, um, you know, have challenges in the classroom. Like you said, you had uh, the group of students that you came in and started teaching mid-year, but um, you know, as you've um, been teaching English for a while, um, how has anxiety led you to become a better English teacher? And also list the challenges that maybe you've had um, during uh, teaching um, in terms of being nervous or maybe having um, an anxiety attack in the middle of a class. Well, thankfully, I never had an anxiety in, in, in the middle of class, but I have had, oh, well, okay, maybe I have. So I've been teaching ELA English for many years. And then two years ago, the principal said to me, oh, we have a new class that we want you to teach. It's called the psychology of art. And while I appreciate art, I never studied art. So I didn't know anything about it. And psychology, I love psychology in college, but that was the last time that I ever did anything, you know, took any classes on psychology. So that was a little challenging for me. And every single day, I really racked my brain with my lesson plans and what I was going to do with them. I didn't have a curriculum. She didn't give me a curriculum. She just told me, this is what you're going to go, go over every month. Find articles, you know, give the students something to do. And every single day, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah. But the trick is, what I did was I found articles. I let the students read it. We, we talked about the psychology of it based on the, you know, the generic definition and I never let the students know that I didn't know what I was doing. Never. Never. <laughs> so um, we had some interesting times in that class. And mm -hmm. for the most part, the students seemed to enjoy the class. By the end of the school year, they were like, oh, yeah, this was my favorite class. And But at but the entire school year, and I did it for two years, even the second year, I changed some things around. So even on the second year, I was trying new things in that class that I had not tried before. For that entire two yeah. years, I was just like... It was just challenging. It was just challenging. And and I tried to um, do the best I could. Like I said, I didn't let them know that I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that happens sometimes when you are teaching a brand new class. And, you know, there are teachers that kind of make things up and, you know, just 
have to research it. Right. And, and, you know, it's just how you approach the lessons and, you know, engage your students, I think helps as well. So, um, you know, it seems so uh, that you did it well, you were able to use, um, you know, uh, have, have had students research it and, you know, they were, they were able to, to find out a lot of the information as well. Um, So you write a blog, as I mentioned in your bio, um, and uh, when you're writing, um, you also have talked about how teachers sometimes experience more anxiety in the summer because we don't have that structured schedule. Um, so when you've had, um, you know, those days where it's, you really don't have anything on your plate, um, how has the anxiety led you to make an excuse to sometimes stay inside instead of going on a walk? And how have you maybe changed your mindset in recent years to um, maybe put something on your schedule during uh, those days in the summer? So yeah, um, back when I was single and everybody would say things like, oh, you're a teacher, you have all this time in the summer, what are you going to do? But there was always an expectation that I would be doing something interesting, going somewhere, traveling, whatever. But I I never wanted to do any of that. I just wanted to stay home. Um, And I felt pressured. I felt that pressure to do something interesting, sort of to report back to the people who were asking me what I was going to do for my summer. And um, I remember making up stories like, um, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the museum and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to take picnics. But I never did any of that. And when I did do things by myself, like I would go to the beach, I never enjoyed it because I was all by myself and I was just like nothing to share with anybody. So I never really enjoyed it. Most of the time, what I did was just stay home. And I liked staying home. I read, I wrote. Um, At that time, I was not writing my novel. I don't know what I wrote about, but I was writing. And I was reading, I was watching a lot of movies, a lot of TV. And there were times when I was very aware that spending every single day of your summer vacation inside is not normal. I was very aware of that. And so I would try to force myself to go out to just take a walk. But for some reason, just taking a walk, aimlessly taking a walk, did not seem like, um, how, do, how do I say it? It didn't, it didn't seem like something that I could do. I, I know this sounds yeah. weird. I am choosing the right words because I would tell myself, okay, I'm just going to go for a walk to the park. The park was very, very close to where I lived. And so I was like, I'll take a walk to the park and I would do everything like, you know, cleaning the bathroom, the kitchen, any, any distraction to stall leaving my apartment. And when I would finally be like, okay, let me go out. And I would open the door to go, something would keep me inside. And and I literally felt like there was this presence or something literally keeping me from leaving my apartment. I didn't know what it was. And I, I think now it was just that anxiety, that social anxiety. But um, I I really felt like something was wrong with me because I did not want to leave the house. And uh, so eventually I just accepted that, whatever. I'm not going to lie to anyone. What are you doing this summer? I, I don't know yet. I, I don't know. I, I'll just take it day by day as it comes. Um, eventually, you know, I, I did... Me, I did start dating. I, I met my my husband. I met my husband at the school that we both taught in, and the summers became a little easier because now I had someone to spend the summers with, and uh, he liked going to the beach and going out and doing different things. So I was like, hey, I, I was all for that as long as I was with somebody to go with, you know. Um, 
but doing these things on my own, for some reason, it just didn't feel right. I never felt good about it. Anytime I went to the movies, to the beach, did anything by myself, I just felt like a loser. And I- this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. I didn't want to do it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And like, I think that's, that's common for people who are single, like really, like it's not that exciting to go to the movies by yourself or go to the beach by yourself and like getting the motivation to actually leave the house. Um, You know, I, I I think that's uh, probably not just you who experienced that, but now that you're married, uh, you also, you have that constant companionship from your husband or your twin sister, but when you are alone, do you still experience anxiety? Um, And that's a lot less now. Yeah, I don't think I do. Um, if yeah, it's it it's gotta be it's a lot less now because now, I, I I I spend the time with my husband. Um, he's also a teacher, so we both have summers off. So we do what whatever we do in the summer. Uh, prior to meeting him, you know, my sister worked every day. She's not a teacher mm-hmm. like I am. So in the summers, I didn't have anything to do while she went to work. So, yeah. so there's that. And even if I am alone for a number of, like my husband has gone away for like the weekend and we do have a puppy, Roxy. And um, I'm I'm good because Roxy's my companion <laughs> and I take her on, I, I have an excuse to leave the house, right? I take yeah. her out for walks and I don't feel anxiety about that because I'm walking her and I, and I tend to want to be by myself when I walk her. Uh, my husband, Dan, he likes to go to the dog parks with Roxy and, and, and socialize with other people. Me, personally, I don't like going to the dog parks. I don't really want to talk to anybody. I just want to walk my dog. And usually I'm listening to a podcast or listening to um, an audio book. And I just want that time to be with me and Roxy and the podcast. So Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> like I go on walks, um, listening to a podcast as well. And you know, a lot of those are just kind of during my planning period. And I would, um, you know, I could ask colleagues to come with me, but it's just something I'd like to do to just kind of disconnect during the middle of the day. And I like listening to my podcast for the 20 or 30 minutes. So yeah, I, I totally get that whole, like, just wanting to be alone for that walk. Um, so you have your novel, uh, The Box. So tell about the story in The Box. And is this for teachers? Is it something that everybody could benefit from reading? So, yes, I think I think anybody could benefit from reading this. Um, it, it came out of my need to understand my own depression and... And when I started understanding depression and started understanding that it's not something you could just get over because I've had cousins who knew that I was, there was something going on with me and they they were just like, just get over it. And I was like, oh, well, it's not really that easy. And um, so I, I kind of wrote the book in, in trying to understand depression and why it's not something that you could just get over. But it's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> It's been like for the past 20 years, I've been working on this off and on, of course. When I became a teacher, it was literally on the back burner. But um, I am looking for an agent right now for for this novel. I've, I've, been, I've sent it to at least five different agents and I'm planning on sending it to more. Or, you know, or going the self-publishing route. I don't know. It just depends on how, how it's going to play out by the end of this year. 
But um, the novel is about a young woman in her mid twenties who who suffers with depression and how her how it stemmed from her mother's I guess you could say lack of emotion towards her and and she has a sister and they both suffered with their their mother's lack of love um, in different ways and I it turned out to be that this this novel is about this one woman who suffers with depression and how how finding out about what her mother had gone through helped her through her own depression. But I realized by the end of by the end of the novel, I realized that it's not just her going through her own battle with depression, but that her sister went through her battle with depression and her father had his own personal battle with depression. So it worked on so many levels and I didn't even I didn't even think of it like that, you know? So it kind of just it, it kind of just worked out on its own like that. And um so I found that writing this novel, reading it, um, revising it, it all helped me deal with what I was suffering with the depression, which I thought was amazing because I had not set out to do that. But in, in writing it, it just helped me deal with my emotions. It helped me go in deeper into what I was feeling and why I was feeling it. It was pretty amazing. I, I, I thought it was pretty amazing. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's unpublished. I'm searching for an agent currently, and um, I I've I've published um excerpts of it in my in a previous blog of mine, and I think I will do that again just to garner some interest in it. Just just to I don't know I yeah. <laughs> uh, you said in the pre chat, just keep an eye on your website for when it is coming out um, at yes. some point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Kind of how it's helped you kind of understand yourself more. And like, um, I think those characters are relatable uh, because, you know, somebody in a, a main character in a book might not know, you know, like the other people are going through things and they might be angry at other people and, you know, really not know what's lying underneath. So uh, you now host um, a, a conversation room at the app Clubhouse. So tell me, when that combo room is and what is the topic? Sure. So back in September, I, I met somebody um, through my sister on Clubhouse. Uh, so Clubhouse is, is is a social app that people get on. They use their phone to have conversations with people about anything and everything under the sun. And it's it's such a um, powerful tool, I think, to uh, people use it for for education purposes, for you know, social and just just having discussions. And uh, so somebody had approached me and said, "Well, how would you like to host a room every Saturday uh, talking about you know mental health?" And I said, "Sure. I mean, I'm not a spokesperson for depression or anything, but I have spoken about it. And so every single week." On, on on Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, I'm on Clubhouse it, just talking about different um, topics under the umbrella of, of mental health. Today, actually, our topic was about pathological liars and is that um, a mental disorder? Previously, we've I've spoken about um, how exercise has helped me deal with depression. And we've talked about... Um, uh, uh, one of the rooms that I will be talking about is narcissism. So it's just a number of different topics, even topics that I don't directly relate to, but I do a little bit of research 
Uh, and then I open a discussion, invite people to speak up. And a lot of people have very interesting things to say. There are some people who I don't really agree with, but it makes for a more interesting discussion. And it it's it's really, it's only on for one hour, but sometimes we go a little bit over one hour if the discussion is really, really good. And I think it's helped me um, I think think of mental health in, in different perspectives and it's helped me understand a little bit more about people and what they go through. And it's helped me gain a certain type of empathy for people who deal with different things than, than I would be able to relate to because I know I wouldn't have patience for somebody who's dealing with something that I don't have anything, any knowledge about. So I, I, I enjoy doing that too. Yeah, it kind of helps you branch out as well and like learn more about the whole uh, umbrella of mental health and maybe some challenges other people have gone through that you don't have experience with. But like it, it is that resource for people to go to yeah. consistently every Saturday. So, right. Yeah, definitely. And I think, sorry, I, I was going to say, and I think that me being a teacher yeah. is what really draws me to doing that research and having that discussion and letting people, you know, say what's on their mind. I, I don't know. I think that that has something to do with it. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Like you, you want to stay informed and you want to stay on top of those topics. And it's kind of like a adult um, PD in a way the, when you're yeah. posting those types of chats, right? So, well, we've had a great conversation today uh, about your experience with anxiety and your writing and some of your teaching experience. Uh, out of everything we've talked about, what is something you'd like listeners to remember? So um, last year, I I taught a group of seventh graders who were so worried about the uh, the state test that they had to take, and yeah. it was optional for some of them. I mean, not for all of them, it was optional. So some students decided to take it, but they were so worried about it. Oh, what if I don't do well? This and that, and I kept trying to tell them, you guys, really, it's not that serious. If you don't do well, it's not like you can, you're not going to move on to the eighth grade. And I told them, and I said, your scores don't have anything to do with your ability to do well as a student. I said, don't let your scores define you. So, um, and that really stuck with them. They kept repeating it throughout the entire year. And I was, I felt very proud of that. So what my, the thing that I'm going to leave off with is, is thinking, don't let your negative experience define you. Don't let your negative experience define you. I've, I've had negative experiences all my life and I've even written about it. However, it and it has made me into the person that I am today, but I'm not going to let it be the only thing that's about me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to let it define me. Yeah, that's so, that's so important to remember. Well, where can people connect with you and find you online? Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram these days, which is uh, my my tagline is Kathy underscore Marie one. And um, I'm I'm rarely on Facebook, but uh, you'll find me more on Instagram and uh, my blog, which is Kathy's cross.wordpress.com. Uh, that's where you can catch everything that I've, I've written in the past year. And I've been going through a depressive state and, and writer's blocks. So I haven't written anything in like a couple of months, but you'll find all of my writing there. Great, great. I'll put the links to those websites in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for being on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for letting me speak. I appreciate it. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now at amzn to slash 3b7-2z. Again, amzn 
to slash 3b7hx2z. You will Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. Thank you.